0: Welcome to the Kenmore Church Podcast. We are all about filling hearts and fueling mission. We hope this content builds your heart and mind and equips you to reveal Jesus in this season of your life. Interestingly, um, it can be very difficult to communicate the fullness of this message over this amount of weeks and not find ourselves looking backwards and talking about our past, and indeed those who have been doing the reform course with us are almost over it, Um, the fact that we have to actually consider our past before we can move forward. We need to deal with it, otherwise when we try to step forward we find ourselves shackled to something that's holding us back and we need to break those shackles and deal with it. So this week I'm talking about in the series of all things new, and behind this series if you're a first-timer here, what we're talking about is that what we often do is live in the New Testament, Jesus has died for our sins, we've placed our faith in him for that and yet we still fundamentally live an Old Testament life in that we're trying to please God through our own strength. We're trying to live for God but we're not living from God and yet the cross brought for us such a huge home court advantage that most of us have never really been given the time and the space, the theology and the practices of how do we live in a New Testament life where Jesus promised all things are new and yet our life often looks like it's not and the best we can do is present a life that looks godly—Paul talks about this in 2 timothy Timothy—a life that has the form of godliness, but lacks the power. And so, as normal people, as normal Queenslanders, we want to find a balanced and powerful and credible way to live this New Testament life that actually does transform us. And so, we've looked a little bit back at the at the price that he's paid, the new relationship we have as sons and daughters, um, and what that means. But today, I want to look at what are the implications of that now. Uh, as far as getting a bit more proactive in our life because so much of our emphasis in church life is on the back foot. It's a testimony, uh, my testimony is of, of my past hurt, uh, I'm dealing with the pain of yesterday and it's almost like, and this is why it can, be, it can feel so monotonous, which is the furthest thing the Christian life should be, is that the best we can hope for is to get to zero in that I didn't sin today It's like I can set my my goal sky high and I'm just not going to muck it up today. Zero. And yet, there's so much more beyond zero. The New Testament life that Jesus and Paul talks about in the epistles is so much more than just getting to zero. It's making progress. It's taking ground. because scripture paints a whole other mode than just looking back. Have a look at Matthew 11 verse 12 not sure how many verses you would have heard on this uh, in this sort of a context. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence and violent people have been raiding it. Some translations say the, um, the kingdom of heaven has been advancing forcefully and forceful people take hold of it. And it's actually just as valid a translation. The word uh, there that says subject to violence is a, a Greek word, uh, biadzo, and it means to force or to crowd oneself um, and for something to be seized, to press in, to suffer violence. It's, it's to grab it and get proactive and say, I'm, I'm not just going to be a victim of this thing. I'm going to force myself in and I'm going to advance this thing. I'm going to take ground for it. And the violent, oh, you think, are there violent people in the kingdom? Well, Jesus says, yes, violence. That word is is biastase. It means a forcer, someone who forces. It's an energetic word. It comes with it, this adjective of there is power here. There is energy here. I'm getting involved here. I'm not a victim in this life. Life's supposed to be a victim of me. Very different mindset. And so it talks about proactive seizing and essentially getting on the front foot. So instead of consistently looking to this shackle and and looking back, because what we behold, we become but I can say that shackle's gone now, what's ahead? And I can behold the kingdom and as Jesus said, as it is up there, pray that it would be like that down here and I can get on the front foot and I can lean into that and I can live a life that takes a bit of ground. So when we're focused to look on what's behind, all all the tension that we feel draws us back to that. But if I can look forward, my tension draws me on to something greater and worthy of my endeavours. We see that sometimes... uh in our life. I don't know whether this is you. I hope it's you. And maybe I'm I'm hoping that just mentioning this will start to trigger something in you. But our blood begins to boil now and again when we see something and we get our eyes off the past and off what's wrong with us and what God hasn't done. And we start looking at what's going on in the world and, and allow ourselves to form up an irritation, a holy discontent, you might want to call it. Over the weekend, I reflected back on my age. Uh, has anyone here seen Popeye, the sailor man? Olive oil, little thin olive oil, needs to work on her anorexia issues or whatever's going on there. And then there's, there's Brutus, who needs to spend a bit less time in the gym. And, uh, and he's always overplaying his hand with, with olive oil and, and uh, Popeye's a passive little sailor man. But finally something happens. And Popeye just starts to simmer and shake in his shoes and he goes, that's all I can stand. I can't stand no more. And down goes the spinach. Remember that somehow it just all goes into his gob there. Out pop the forearms and he's on. That's all I can stand. I can't stand no more. He would say, you know, this this is my superhero that I grew up with, along with Gigantor and the Thunderbirds. It was Popeye the Sailor Man, you know. And at school, we used to go, "That's all I can stand. I can't stand no more." And none of us had the forearms to pull it off, but we would draw little anchor tattoos on our on our arms, you know. And uh, but that that sense, if you if you carry that lens, you start to see that through the Bible. That's what happened to David when he heard Goliath on the hill. It's what happened to Moses when he comes to the burning bush and God says, you know that stuff that you've been groaning about, that that nation of mine that's suffering, I'm suffering because of this too. It talks about it in Exodus chapter 3. I've seen the misery of my people, God says. I've heard them crying because of their slave drivers and I'm concerned about their suffering. You can feel sometimes that this irritation that's in us, this holy discontent, it's not just ours, it's God motivated, it's God inspired. So let that thing burn in you because it's been burning in me a long time and I'm looking for my people to begin to burn and to do something about it. I read in my own quiet times this week, Isaiah 63, and in there even God's heart within Isaiah says a glimmer of God's shared distress. He says, in their distress, God too was distressed. That God gets distressed about things and he comes down to a guy like Moses or a guy like David and he says, I'm distressed. I'm going to fix this. I'm sending you. Are you distressed? Is there any discontent in you? Have you, felt, have you ever felt God's heart shaking? you ever felt his, his distress and his pain at the world of things that just ought to be resolved and that's all I can stand and I can't stand anymore? I had a, And I won't go into detail of this because I've probably said this story before, but when I was first immersed in Africa and, and, and watching, and I'd, it only came to mind because uh, we had a lady here on the weekend who came from the very place that I'd been in Africa in Kenya, in northern Kenya, up in the sub-Sahara there. And she was in the very village where, where I, I thought I was going to end my days there. Anyway, she was from that village, amazing uh, uh, divine encounter yesterday, and we got to pray together. And uh, it just reminded me of the, of the moment the Lord spoke to me audibly in Africa, in the worst of situations, as I was looking what I, at what I thought was hell. As young kids, this high, imagine your little toddlers doing this, swimming in sewerage, above their knees, looking for something to eat in plastic bags that had been thrown out and all the rubbish of the slums of Nairobi. And as I heard God speak, as as my friends were singing in four-part harmony in Swahili, Nikimbu Kebuana, Nikimbu Kebuana, I had no idea what they were singing, so I, I looked out the window and I thought, I'm listening to heaven, but I'm I'm looking at hell. And I heard God say, I remember these people. I want you to remember them. And then they switched from Swahili to English, and they were singing, God remember me, God remember me. And you've got to understand that sometimes God's heart burns. He is not satisfied with injustice. He's not satisfied with what's going wrong. He's irritated by it and he expects us to be irritated by it too and to do something about it. So let that thing begin to burn in your heart and let that tension that you feel not be drawing you to the past but drawing you to what must be. As you look at the way things are and you look at the way it is up there and he says, make it look there like it is up there. Stop the torment. Stop the injustice. Get something done. I call it the front foot principle. It's leaning into something. It's saying, I'm, I'm, I, that tension I feel, it's drawing me to something else. I've got to give my life to something worth doing. In the last few uh, years, and it's, uh, it's, it's been a, an irritation that's been growing in me. Um, I know a lot of things irritate me, but this one is a, is a, a godly one. But I, I want it to be something that's not mine to own. And this is the issue of men. And go- ladies, uh, especially if you're not married indulge us just for a moment as I just talk into the issue of men in, uh, in the Christian circles these days because too many as I look into the eyes of, of Christian men they're just putting up with church life there's nothing in it for them there's nothing that excites them there's nothing that there's no challenge big enough and so their their energies are getting put into less worthy endeavors like careers and, and all the other stuff that we just sort of have to do and there's a generation of young men that are growing up that are they're unstretched Uh, They're not exposed to life and hardship. They're addicted and they're somehow in all of that just too proud. And there's just too many marriages under residual strain because men just can't get spiritual traction in their life. And wives, all their prayers are about their men getting it together. And there's just so little for them to aim for, nothing to create. And if you're a man, you understand what I'm talking about. We need a mountain to climb. We need something to take that's worth fighting for. Someone give us a fight worth fighting for. You know, and there's so many facets to that. I understand there's a time for healing and there's a time for all this other stuff, community and sport and, and stuff. But guys, you know, we need... Someone show me something worth fighting for. And it's not uncommon that when God starts to stir you in that, that he, wants to, he needs to break you down first and then build you up. And, and I just want to present a challenge to some of you guys today. And I'll, I'll challenge everyone at some point. But, but men, I've, just, I've been in talks this week with a group called um, Fourth Musketeer Australia, and I've been talking to them for some years. Waiting for them, uh, waiting for it, just to line up and the gears to mesh. And I'm just hoping that now is the time for this. And these, this is a movement for men, and it's not a it's not a tree hugging, fire burning, put on masks and chant sort of thing. It's it's uh, this is real guys, and they and they have a thing called the extreme challenge, extreme character challenge, and it's coming up in October. And uh, there's it, a picture from it there. These guys, they go to Rath Downey for three days, and it's a spiritual and physical experience where the guys are stretched. And they have 10 talks along the way. And while you're being stretched physically, it's stretching you physically and it confronts you with the demons of life, the 10 big issues that men have to grapple with. And uh, I'm just really praying because this may be a catalyst for us. I'm looking for, some, for God to speak to a few guys here and say, I'm up for this. You don't need to be perfectly fit or anything like that, but it's, it's a challenge. You carry your own backpack and, it, and, it, and it's, it's three days. It's a tough time. But it's where you can finally confront the demons that you've been avoiding all your life And he can sit there and go, I'm breaking through this. And when you get to the end of it, I'm living for something bigger than myself now. It's time to get some traction. And then I want to follow that up with a few other activities. And one of the great things these guys do is they have a um, uh, 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 muskathlon, they call it, where where it's an incredible challenge that happens in about a year's time. And it undertakes a challenge that I've been a part of something very similar over in Uganda. And they'll go to a third world nation and you've got to raise $10,000 dollars and sponsor a whole group of kids through Compassion and then go over and immerse yourself in there and run a marathon or a half marathon or a bike ride or something in that third world country like Africa or Indonesia. The next one coming is in Iraq. Who wants to cycle and run in Iraq? Come on, baby, that's good. <laughs> hey? Anything you have gotta worry about over there is submachine guns and that's, that's easy. You know, like, compared to machetes and knives, not a problem. Uh, The other one's in Indonesia, so if you want to play it safe, you can go there. But for me, this is like, what a great way to catalyse men. Because we need to be stretched and we'll do it if it's worth it. And this is worth it. Because the testimonies that comes out of this stuff, and I've been watching them for years, the families that get changed, because it's not just about you. What happens to the guy happens to the family, happens to the whole community. Their workplace gets changed. All this sort of stuff transforms. And so if you want to be a part of that, I know the the guy who uh, is the CEO personally, and we had a meeting this week and I'd love to talk to you after the service because guys, I think we could, this, we could use this to start something great. Weekly activities where we're raising money for something special and we'll get involved in all sorts of stuff there. But uh, Father, if you're just talking to someone there, let it be clear. And, uh, and ladies, pray, pray because we need the men to be activated for God. There's just some things in the Christian life where you just, you've got to get past waiting for the pastor to tell you what to do. We've got to get past the idea, well, the church hasn't organised that for me yet. Since when do you have to wait for the church to organise your kingdom life? The light is green. There's just so much in life where the light is already green. Genesis 1.28 says, as it is in Eden here, see what you're seeing here. See this beautiful place. Get out there where it's chaos and make it look out there like it is here. The light is absolutely green. Fill the earth. Subdue the earth. Make it look like heaven. That's what we're here to do. And you can do that in your home and in your workplace and in your community. Get creative, get inventive. And instead of Assuming there's a red light, unless we pray hard enough and God says it's green, assume, and so much of this, the light is already green for you. He's told us to go and do that. Matthew 28, he said, just go into all the world and make disciples. There's not a lot of prayer needs to go into going on mission and doing missionary activity. There's not a lot of prayer required for evangelism and being audacious in that. He's already said, go and do it. Go, 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 until you see a red light right in front of you. And the book of Acts is really clear on this. Paul had that model. He just said, I'm going. I'm going. God said, go. I'm just going until he tells me to stop. And he would go here and he'd set a church up. He'd go there. Then one day God actually gave him a red light. So Paul, you're even going faster than I am, mate. Hang on. Just stop. And I'll tell you where to go. And he has a dream. It says, no, turn left instead of turning right. And he goes and, and plants churches in Asia there. So God's very able to give you a red light. But when he said, go, just go. And this whole irritation for me is Matthew 28, 18 to 9, and go and make disciples. Don't consume yourself with making a church. That's Jesus' job. He said he would build that. But why does that burn in me? And why does it burn in so many of us that are here? One of the reasons is, and I I preach this wherever I go. When I say preach, it's whoever talks to me over a coffee. 50,000 kids a year in Australia, 50,000. Let it burn inside you because they're leaving the church because the church isn't talking about this. The church isn't talking about making disciples. We're talking about coffee mornings and and garage sales and all this sort of stuff. But 50,000 of our kids are dropping out of church life after youth. That's completely unacceptable. And what's even worse is that we're not talking about it. And we haven't got a strategy for it. I'll I'll present you next week. I'm I'm already, if anyone knows our kids leader, uh, Carol, Uh, we're breaking the kids' ministry up into four groups so we can do it well. We need more space. I think we need something like 25 more leaders. If we take this thing seriously, we've got to say, parents, we're not looking for you every week, but if you, if you sign on and help us raise this community of children once a month, that's all we need, 25 people once a month, then we can change this thing. We can turn it around, and then we can learn from it, we can process it, and we can do what we do, which is give it away to every church we know and help them do the same thing. Not one ounce of effort around here is wasted. Everything we do has got a reason, and we've got to save these kids. hey? We've got to save the kids. And so we'll, we'll staff it if we have to, we'll do whatever we have to do. We've got to save the kids. We've got to create Christians that are not just fans of Jesus, but are followers of Jesus. You know, I can sit on a, in a grandstand and I can watch State of Origin all I like. I can hoot and holler and complain about the referee, but until I get a jersey on, I'm not on the team. And discipleship is putting on the jersey and saying, I'm all in for this thing. I'm not going to spectate and be a you know, do the post-mortem on on Monday, I'm in for this thing. He doesn't need fans. We don't need to be be a fan of Jesus and say, yeah, I like that guy, he's awesome. So now I'm a follower and where he goes, I go. Where I see the dust of his feet, I'm following after that. We've got to pursue even the way we're doing church here because mid-sized churches like this, like the size that we all love, are dying everywhere. They're struggling. They need strength, they need strategy, they need leadership, they need resources and God's building this place so we can do that. It's one of the reasons we exist. Is to, is to create powerful churches all over the place. And so we're breaking our back over this thing. You can just see how fired up I get. I'm completely discontent, like all the time. But not for nothing. It matters. Your life, your hours, your spare time, give me your Netflix time. Give me your prayer time, and I'll give you something to pray about. Give me one Sunday a month, and I'll give you something to do that makes a difference. Because this is just what we're about here. If you want to have an armchair church, Where you sit back and sing kumbaya, I can point you to 15 other churches that are doing that. We're taking this deal seriously. This is why we need your support. This is why you've got a green light. Don't wait for me to come up with an idea. If it needs to be done, if it should be done, just go and do it. Some of the other issues that burn with me that I just haven't got time or I just would love to see people do is that every splinter group in the world, every loud-voiced lobby group is getting a voice and getting their way. Every left-wing agenda that's out there for uh, everything under the sun gets accommodated, and yet no one's defending the children who can't defend themselves. How long are we going to tolerate this? Sorry. I just long for Christians to get initiative, get going. The lights are green. If that's you, if you've got a heartbeat, God wants to use you. And you've got to make room for God in your life to do that. If you're saying, I'm too busy, then you're just too busy. And sometimes we've just got to stop it. We've got to make spaces for God in our life that he can fill. For some of us, it's time. For some of us, It's money. It's capacity, it's heart, and we've got to make room for God. I saw this so clearly one day. If you're aware of my materials, I've got a website where we, we distribute material, and I needed to get videos going for for the reform and the refocus course so that other churches could watch my silly talking head explain what they've just read this week, and they didn't need to have me there. And I knew I had to have the video for this, and it had to be, it couldn't be dodgy. It had to be kind of good. So my iPhone with a green screen wasn't going to work for me, and so... I just, well, Lord, I need to make space for you to do this. So I just said, I can't do this. There's nothing I can do. I'm going to need $15,000, $20,000 to create videos worth watching. And um, just made that space for God because I felt compelled to build a website. I was fortunate enough I can do that stuff. So I built my own website, wrote the books, did the stuff, but said, Lord, I need, I need that money to do that and just left it out there. And then I went to a CMA conference, Christian Management Conference, and there was a guy there speaking called uh, Jossie Chaco. Anyone heard of Jossie? This guy is the most lovable Indian character I've ever seen in my life. He, just, he was speaking to a bunch of CEOs and board members um, from all over Australia. So these are the heavy hitters from Compassion and World Vision and all the other NGOs that are out there. And this guy, he started his own NGO and he's into India and he's raising tens of millions of dollars, just ridiculous amounts of money. And he'd gone to the, um, the CEO of one of the, one of the big NGOs and said, "Can you? I'm starting this thing up, can you mentor me in how to do this? And he said... The CEO said, What are you doing again? He said, I'm just starting my own NGO to raise money. He said, Well, I'm not going to mentor you because the pie is only so big and you're going to be taking the pie is getting smaller and you want some of my money. And, and Jossie was just outraged at that principle because he's thinking the, the, the world need out there is unlimited, it's without limit. And you're saying to us that God's provision is limited and getting smaller? Who are you serving? And he started to get me excited. And then he said, let's have a look at Scripture. And he's eyeballing the guys who'd knocked him back. He said, let's have a look at Scripture together, men and women. What happened to Elisha when the, when the widow needed oil and God just kept filling the jars until there were no more jars to fill? When the capacity ended, that's when provision stopped. Jesus turned water into wine and it was beautiful wine and, and the more they poured, the better it got and, and it's like, But when did the wine run out when there were no more jars? I think he threw in a word called numbskulls. He said, when did the bread and the fish stop being multiplied? When there's no more people to to feed? He said, how dare you say there is limited supply? The error is on your side. You're not making capacity in your organisations for God to fill it. So he went away to sort of blow the Christian fundraising. He went on a, for a Christian organisation. He's raising tens of million dollars from Muslims, from Hindus, and from, from uh, secular organisations who just believe in his openly Christian cause because it's changing the world. And he's just gone, what, what pie? What shrinking? And I was so fired up. Like, they're all Baptists in there, so they're saying nothing, but I'm going hallelujah under my breath, you know. And um, next thing you know, my phone texts, and there's a message there, and it's from a guy. And I've got my administrator next to me from the church I was at at the time, and he's a, he's a uh, if you understand Excel spreadsheets, you only find magic when there's a zero in the bottom right-hand corner because everything's added up perfectly, right? Zero, so he works to zero balance. He's got no concept in his mind for the whole idea that let's, let's budget for God to give increase. It doesn't work like that. My phone texts, and it's a guy, and it just says, I've just been praying, and God's told me to fund videos that you're creating. And I go on. at that I almost interrupted Jossie as he was speaking saying dude you have got this so right if we make capacity in our life God can fill it so my challenge with this is what capacity could you create built on your holy discontent what what's irritating you what's irritating God that you know that's all I can stand I can't stand no more and getting a heartbeat doing something about it and saying, Father, okay, and what we do in, in business terms, we used to call this putting down a pilot drill. It's like we feel like God's led us and that's the proviso and all this stuff. You create the space when God's leading you. You don't just base it on assumption. You know, Jesus said, take the wine. Jesus said, feed the crowd. So the, the, the proviso here is you've got to hear from God on this. So once you've done that, you build a well and you put a test drill down. It's like I'm sending a pilot drill down here And just seeing what God can do. And often our version of a pilot drill is to create space in our life. You say, Father, okay, I'm starting a group. It might be a play group in the park. Because we haven't got any more buildings through the week, but we can do it in the park. So you create a space. Say, Father, that's a space for you to fill. But I'm turning up and seeing what happens. I'm starting a home group. I'm starting a ministry. I'm going to raise funds for something that matters. And build capacity in your life for God to fill it. And once we do that, you'll be amazed. We built capacity here. The guys upstairs were hoping that by the end of this year we'd have 30 people coming regularly to this church. I thought, why not create capacity for a few more? So we put a lot more chairs out, and have a look. And this is a quiet day because most of most of us are train wrecks after the weekend that we've just had, so they've stayed home to talk to God about something I don't know. But they, you know, they they need a sleep. You'll know the rest of the team because after about one o'clock this afternoon we'll be the ones in a in a, in a uh, induced coma. Um, not responding to social media. But I completely lost my track of train of thought there. But anyway, we're making room for God and then just watching him fill that. Nothing would bring me greater joy than to actually see you begin to do this in your life, that we actually turn this whole church culture around, not this church culture, church culture, and we we say, "What, what would it look like if I got on the front foot here if I just took initiative and said, Father, I'm just creating a space for you to fill. I'm creating a space for you with my finances, Lord. I'm going to give. I'm going to show generosity. I'm going I'm to hand my finances over to you in faith and make that a, a space that's available for you to bless. Father, I'm going to give you my time. And I know none of us have time because life just fills it up. But I'm, I'm going to create a space for you, an extra hour in the morning. And, and Lord, I'm gonna, that is your space for you to fill. I'm going to do a deed for someone at work. I'm going, to, I'm going to do something that's not required of me. I'm going to go beyond the call of duty. I'm going to bless someone who doesn't, uh, doesn't deserve blessing in that respect. I'm going to love the person who's most unlovable. I'm going to do, do what Jesus would do and create space and just see what he could do there. And I would guarantee you that within 30 days of you doing that, if you find creative ways to do that, you watch God work in your life and you'll have a testimony. You'll have testimony of what God can do through normal people. He's just He's The lights are green. Go. Into all the world and create spaces for God to work. Amen? I think you agree with me. Let's stand together as we pray. Lord, that's a scary message. Father, so much in the kingdom is is uncomfortable and and, but Lord, so exciting. There is just nothing better than the the war stories that come back when someone has, has done something in faith they've been generous, they've they've given time, they've prayed for someone out in the streets. They've made a space that requires you to come and do something and then you've come and done that. Lord, we don't want to be a place or a people that relies on what we can do in our own strength. We want to be a church that celebrates what you do in your strength. That's where joy is. That we would evangelise, Lord, audaciously. That we'd plan creatively and with a lot of faith. So Father, I trust you in these people. Christ in them, the hope of glory. Father, each one, each one, I pray that you would bless them with faith, bless them with uh, courage to step out and a determination to have written down on a piece of paper sometime in the next few days how they can create a space for you to fill. Bless them with that in Jesus' name.